All right. Today we're joined by Chris Ransom of Draft Utopia, one of the few sites dedicated to MLS Super Draft coverage. You put out several mock drafts and interviews with college players on your podcast. How long have you been running the Draft Utopia site and podcast, Chris? I've been running the Draft Utopia podcast since 2011 when I worked at Rant Sports, and they're they're no longer a sports website, but I got paid with them back in the day, and I've ran the website since 2012, so it's been over 10 years, but I really didn't start getting MLS draft prospects on our podcast until around 2016, but ever since then, it's been pretty much smooth sailing, and we've always gotten a few really good quality college soccer players on our podcast or on Twitter spaces. We'll speak with them and go live on Twitter spaces. So, and then put the recordings up on anchor at the same. So people can listen to them when they're done. Nice. Yeah. Enjoy listening. I think I listened to the Marshall left back recently. Gabriel Alves. Yep. Nice. All right. So we brought you on because we want to talk MLS super draft, especially from the, the view of St. Louis City SC, but uh, I mean, we got to start with, you know, trades, trades, trades. What do you make of so many trades occurring during the Super Draft this year? It was madness. So I'm looking at this Super Draft and all the trades that have happened. I think the Charlotte trade was really the most surprising because I didn't anticipate them moving all the way up from 20 to 1. I mean, that's a huge leap, and the allocation money they gave up was massive for St. Louis. And they took Comedy D up, which kind of surprised me because their depth it's, their depth on the back line is pretty good. So unless they're going to play him at center back and right back, I'm not exactly sure what they're doing. But, you know, we'll see how this turns out because most had Shakur Mohammed going number one. I had Elijah Paul going number one. But I think Orlando moving up for Diop really gave St. Louis the allocation money they needed to be a little bit more aggressive in free agency when the opportunity. Okay, so let's, let's – it was kind of my next question. I mean, what – so it sounds like you were in favor of St. Louis City trading the pick, picking up 400000 in game and getting their, their guy at number nine. In Owen O'Malley. Yeah, 450000 in allocation money, to be precise. And Owen O'Malley, according to um, one St. Louis City insider, he was their number one player on their board. He, they, I, I had Owen O'Malley at like six or seven on my board, but I heard from Matt Baker that they had him as the number one guy on their board. But Owen O'Malley... He was a left midfielder, but he can play left wing as well. And he had eight goals, five assists, probably a depth piece to Isaac Rosen at the 11, if I had to take an educated guess, or maybe they'll start him at left midfielder. But I would think it's either either going to start him at left midfielder or utilize him as a depth piece at left winger. If I had to take an educated guess right now, what the team plans to do, what St. Louis City SC plans to do with him. And John Klein is probably going to be a backup center midfielder. St. Louis has two center midfielders on the active starting 11, but they have no depth pieces at central midfielder. So if they bring John Klein up, he is probably a backup central midfielder. Or they stash him in MLS next on St. Louis City too. 
one of those two routes, I think, will be the route Klein ends up taking. But Owen O'Malley should be on the MLS roster, especially if he was St. Louis's number one player on their entire draft board. I would think he's going to be on the MLS roster next season. Only question is, as a starting left midfielder, or is he a backup left winger to Isaac Rosen? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that assessment? Uh, I'm guessing you mean Isaac uh, Jensen? Maybe. Jensen, the, okay, the international. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounded like Coach Carnell and Lutz maybe on the draft or after kind of mentioned seeing him as a, as a wing back and talking to Creighton head coach Johnny Torres, they kind of described Owen oh, the same way that they kind of, they called him like a wing back that I guess they played three in the back mostly, or maybe I guess you want to call it five. And the, the two wing backs were, I guess, midfielders. And that's where Owen primarily played. That's how he made it sound. So it sounds like a good fit because we don't have a lot of depth at the wing back position. We are still light in the midfield as well. So Owen would fit in there too. Um, but we have a ton of like guys who could play wing winger or forward. I'm excited. I'm excited by the pick. Um, I saw you gave it an A grade, and then you gave the uh, the Johnny Klein grade a, a B plus. I want to say, is that correct? Yeah, but Owen O'Malley, I I, I it was a B plus at first, but. Because St. Louis got fantastic return, I moved it up to an A grade, mainly because of the allocation money and because Owen O'Malley was St. Louis's number one player on their entire board. They would have picked him at one if they didn't get an offer to move down. But there were 20 teams offering them that selection, 20 different MLS franchises offering allocation money to move up to number one. So you knew someone was going to move up for him. It was just a matter of who was willing to give up the most. And Charlotte gave up 20, pick 20 and 450,000 in allocation money to move up to kind number one. Yeah, and, and, and the Hamidi Diop pick kind of surprised me. I feel like from most mock drafts, it seemed unanimous that like the top three most talented guys in the draft were Elijah Paul, Shakir Muhammad, and uh, a San Diego State kid. What's CJ? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was I was shocked that I mean Shaq Muhammad went too, but the other the other two slipped quite a bit. Surprising. Yeah, and Hamidi Diop. I went back and watched his film against Pittsburgh. He was twenty three for twenty six when passing to teammates. He had two interceptions, one off a header, one with his right foot, but. He also gave up the only goal to Valentin Noel in the Clemson pit game, which resulted in a one-one draw. He had some, he had two or three mental lapses where he didn't execute, or the timing was slightly off, or something just didn't go his way. Let's focus on the Elijah Paul pick now, because Elijah Paul was my number one player. He checked off every box and was probably my top prospect dating back to Andre Blake in 2014. So he falls to number seven. Real Salt Lake gets a second striker to pair with Cordova, who led the team with 11 goals last year. And then at number 16, Real Salt Lake also got Burton Jackson out of Pittsburgh, 
And he's a good replacement to Albert Rusnak, longtime captain of Real Salt Lake, who left the team now on the Seattle Sounders. So I think Real Salt Lake really came out of this draft bolstering their offense. And I really like the selection they made after that with Anthony Sinclair in round two and Moses Mensah in round three as players that can both add depth and stability on their defense. So I think Real Salt Lake had one of the stronger drafts. And I think getting that franchise caliber player like Elijah Paul, I think Paul's going to end up being one of the bigger steals of this draft. I mean, right now, if I had to take an odds on guess, I would say the rookie of the year is either going to be Shakur Mohammed, Josh Bulma, or Elijah Paul, depending on which guy gets the most minutes next season. But as I was saying earlier, while I was off the air, I think there are three potential rookie of the year candidates from this super draft. I think Shakur Mohammed, Orlando, Josh Bulba, the New England Revolution, they got him as a replacement to Tejon Buchanan. He grew up playing high school soccer in Connecticut, despite being from the Ghana. And then um, the other player I think could win rookie of the year is Elijah Paul. I think those three are all potential day one starters and all candidates to potentially win MLS rookie of the year if a player from the super draft were to win rookie of the year. It's not just the fact that Paul capitalizes on those second chances. I think he's the one player from this draft who could be on Team USA in 2026 or 2030. So that's a pretty bold prediction on my end, but I think Paul is just that good. So it sounds like he was your favorite pick of the first round. Yeah, I I think he might be a Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck caliber prospect for the MLS. That should tell you a lot. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be America's version of Pele because that would certainly be a stretch. And Mm -hmm. it sucks that Pele passed away yesterday. I know. But, you know, Elijah Paul, I thought he was the best player in college soccer all year, dating back to September. So he he was the one guy in this draft I would have pounded the table for. And he fell to number seven, and then Fodry fell to 13 before Austin FC traded up for him. And their super draft was interesting because they got Valentin Noel and his Pittsburgh teammate Jackson Walty in the second round. So I thought Real Salt Lake, Austin FC, and Vancouver were the three big winners of the super draft. St. Louis SC had a pretty good super draft. I would put, great, I would put them in the top ten. But I feel like the three biggest winners were Vancouver, Austin FC, and Real Salt Lake. And only time will tell if I end up being right or wrong on that. I thought there were teams like Charlotte, San Jose that made some questionable picks. So I definitely think St. Louis out-selected those teams. But the question is, what are they going to do with the allocation money they got? And are they going to bring quality players before the start of the season? That's really what I want to know because I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this unfolds. And Fodry can play striker, left wing. He was mentored by Landon Donovan. So him dropping to 13 was a huge surprise to me because he college soccer news had him at number one overall. I had him before I found out Elijah Paul was in this draft. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, would you say, was that the most surprising pick, him falling to 13, or was there another pick in the first round that surprised you more? I mean, 
Rhode Island striker went to Charlotte FC at 12. So after Charlotte FC took Hamidi Diop at one, they took Patrick A. Guillaume, the Rhode Island striker. I don't know if that's even how you pronounce his last name, but he was a Rhode I- he was a forward on Rhode Island, and they took him at twelve after mm-hmm. trading up with the Rapids, and they gave the Rapids a twenty twenty four first round pick for him. So that was a pick that kind of surprised me as well. I felt like San Jose didn't really address needs. And they went for value, and they kind of reached on all their selections. Daniel Mooney, Liam Buck. So that's really the issue I had with San Jose's draft. But St. Louis, I thought St. Louis had one of the top 10, top 15 super drafts among 29 MLS teams. Nice. Uh, What do you make of – you were really high on the Bowling Green center back. What do you make of him falling all the way to the 20s? Yeah, Joey Akunano. I had him as my fifth best player, and he behind Bulma, Mohamed Fodri, and Elijah Paul. And he fell all the way to FC Cincinnati at 22. And FC Cincinnati got really good value with Ian Murphy last year at 14. And they hit on Roman Celentano and Ian Murphy. They hit on both of those selections. So now you get another center back in Akunanu. He passes the ball well. He's fast. He hits hard. 4.0 GPA. Akunano just seems like a guy who checks off all the boxes. Maybe a wall, maybe the most well-rounded center back to enter the Super Draft since Walker Zimmerman, who's from out of Furman, who's now on Team USA. So he's a guy that I was really impressed with as far as the game field goes. So... I was surprised he fell that far, to be completely honest with you, because he led his team with six goals, had seven shutouts in 16 games, and every game he was in, there was only one game where Bowling Green gave up two goals, and that was on the road against the eventual MAC champion Western Michigan Broncos. So as far as consistency goes, he was pretty consistent for the most part, even after losing Jacob Erlinson to Columbus in the 2022 MLS Super Draft. So... That consistency is why I had him as my fifth best player in the entire draft class. Because I just think that kind of consistency is a really good trait when evaluating a center back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, just kind of any final takeaways you had from the draft uh, overall. I mean, other than teams, I don't like it when teams pass on picks. But I'm glad nobody passed on a pick in the first two rounds. This is like the first MLS draft in like five or ten years where everybody made a selection in the first or second round. So I'm just glad that nobody in the first or second round passed on their selections and everybody took someone. So mm-hmm. that, that I am glad because it gives these college soccer players that work hard an opportunity to try to make it professionally. So I am glad about that. I'm not going to air my grievances on teams that chose to pass in the third round. I think that's childish, barbaric. It's not worth getting into a rant about on this podcast. So, again, I, I it was fun to have this podcast, and I, there were a lot of good right backs drafted. Um, but St. Louis is confident in their current right back that they got from Vancouver, and they also trust um, Watts, who's in their MLS Next team. So that tells me they were content with where they were at as an organization. And I feel like 
there are some talented players that went that are still available. I don't know if they're going to get MLS contracts. Okay, you were mentioning um, the guys that went unselected. In your opinion, who was the most talented guy that was not selected in the Super Draft? We had five players with first-round grades. The top one that went unselected was Gabriel Alves, the player we interviewed. And then we had Stanford center back Keegan Hughes. That was a player Travis Clark and myself both had a first-round grade on because when Travis Clark did his Super Draft preview show for MLS uh, Extra Time on Monday, he mentioned Keegan Hughes. So Keegan Hughes is definitely the number two player on the board for best uh, UDFAs available for the uh, – Part of the audio for the record disconnected. We were talking about the top five UDFAs. I mentioned Marshall left back Gabriel Alves and Stanford center back Keegan Hughes. The other three players I had a first round grade on were SMU attacking midfielder Nut Ollander. He was his second year in a row of him being on the American Athletic Conference first team along with Steven Afrifa. And then the other two players, um, Afrifa went to sport in Kansas City at eight. The other two players that I had first-round grades on were Ryan Betcher. He was the only player in college soccer with double-digit goals and assists. He's also the distant cousin of Ryan of Simon Betcher, who was mm-hmm. the uh, Vancouver first-round pick in 2022. So I was a little bit surprised that Ryan Betcher went undrafted after having 14 goals and 10 assists at midfielder for the UMBC Retrievers. And then the final player that we had a first-round grade on was Maryland right-back Nick Richardson. And he is a uh, offensive dynamo, kind of a project defensively, but he is a really good playmaker on the back line. So I was kind of surprised to see him go undrafted. But to be fair, most of the time, my top two right-backs were Ethan Connolly and Robert Screen. And then I found out Richardson got a combine invite. They posted Nick Richardson's photo on the uh, – Dropbox, so I was thinking he would get picked early since a lot of the time when MLS posts a player in their Dropbox database, that's usually an indicator that that player is going to get picked in the first round. So the fact that Nick Richardson went undrafted kind of surprised me considering he was at the MLS College Showcase. That really did throw me off that. So I was kind of surprised by that. Do you have any uh, early favorites for who could go first overall next year? Yeah, um, I've actually... uh, a few days ago, Prague's Cougs eighty Cougs two. Uh, he has a Red Hulk avatar as his Twitter photo, but he was messaging me a few prospects that could go first overall. So I began looking into that, compiling a database of the uh, players that this year's MLS College Showcase that didn't get Generation Adidas offers. There were seven, and that there were six or seven, and then you look at the two or three players that we're looking at for twenty twenty four plus the ACC underclassmen since the ACC is the premier conference in college soccer. And I think it's going to come down to Butler's Palmer Alt and Marshall's Matthew Bell. If I had to make an educated guess at this point, those would be the two main front runners for that number one selection at this point. I also like Elliot Goldthorpe out of Hofstra, Jefferson Amai out of High Point, and another wild card, to look at is Dayton's Basit Umar. Basit Umar out of Dayton is on the Right to Dream Academy that Shakur Mohammed and Husseini Buddha came from. So he was a freshman at Dayton last year, but he is a potential wild card for next year. 
And there are some players from the MLS College Showcase the last two years that could be in 2024 include Danny Flores, he'll be a junior at Virginia Tech, Clarence Awudawar, Oregon State forward, Joran Gerber, the Pac-12 player of the year. He was at the MLS College Showcase. He didn't get an invite. Um, other, other names include Babacar Niang, a midfielder at Wake Forest, Dyson Clapier, left winger for Akron. He was at the MLS College Showcase, and Kemi Amiche. And I'll mention the ACC players, and then I'll wrap this up. But the ACC players that could be what generation of these candidates, you got to start with Duke center back Cameron Aceto. He started at center back as a true freshman. Keenan Hot, the defensive midfielder for Duke, is another guy, started as a freshman. Jackson Gilman, the Pittsburgh defender, he played left back at the beginning of the year, then he moved over to center back. Adam Lundgaard, he was a center back at Clemson with Hamadi Diop as a true freshman. And then Maurice Miller, he was a left back at Virginia, but he has the speed and explosiveness and versatility to play left wing as like a wing back, like Owen O'Malley as well. So those 16 players, five from the ACC, um, there were six from the MLS College Showcase and another five outside the ACC. Those 16 players are the players I'm looking at as the potential generation needed candidates for 2024. I'm not ready to do a mock draft yet. I want to see what happens. Does San Diego get a 30th MLS franchise for 2024? Or is the draft order going to be based on the results of the 2023 MLS season? That's kind of what I'm waiting on before I start my 2024 mock draft. Because I cover mock drafts for every sport, whether it's the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, or Major League Soccer. I try to cover all five of those sports with detailed write-ups. So, Though, and I haven't even started my NHL, NBA, or MLB mocks yet. But I'm waiting on what's going to happen with San Diego before I start my mock. But I have enough research and data to actually do a 2024 mock at this point. I'm just waiting to see, is San Diego going to get that 30th team, or is it going to be best to worst record? How is that going to be? How What approach is MLS going to take? Mm. Uh, well, we look forward to reading that mock when it does come out. Uh, Chris, where can people go to check out your work? .com slash, tw- slash MLS draft results to read our uh, uh, slash MLS draft results .html to read our uh, MLS draft write-ups. You can go to uh, our Twitter page at Draft Utopia on Twitter. You can read all our content. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Draft Utopia. Just like the page. Click on the links to the articles. You can read all of them there. We have a YouTube channel. We're going to try posting some game film from the actual uh, Super Draft. I usually do film cuts before the Super Draft. I didn't really have time this year because I I got a message 10 people a week about NFL predictions. So I'm going to try to make that a priority in January to get a few college soccer game films up on our YouTube channel in addition to college football players we usually evaluate. So I am going to make that a priority this year and – Oh, uh, if you could if you could put some Owen O'Malley clips on there, I will eat that up. I will watch the heck out of that. All right, sounds like a plan. All right, definitely look into adding Owen O'Malley to that list. All right, we we appreciate your time, Chris. We we're lucky to have you on the podcast, and look forward to chatting with you in the future. Sounds good.